moved to DC. Um, started working with the CIA. Uh, there's a computer engineer. Um, oh, yeah, did, me, yeah, me, me too. How does that happen? How did, did a man like in an overcoat and a shady hat was like, <laughs> you need to work for the CIA now? <laughs> that was another thing. I was yeah, at man. another conference. Yeah. Just, man. At another conference, uh, I had actually accepted a job with uh, United Launch Alliance to work on the avionics for the new space capsule um, in Boulder when the CIA hit me up and was like, yeah, we... Um, we we're gonna give you an offer contingent up on you passing our background check and all of that stuff, and I'm like, hell yeah! Yeah. So I'm uh, actually, I think I was at NASA when I got that <laughs> phone call, oh, and I'm like running around Man. in my apartment two blocks off of the beach that they're paying for, and I'm like, ah, I'm accepting your offer, but do you know what I just got? And I'm, I call my mom, <laughs> and I'm like jumping on the couch, <laughs> like freaking out because I'm like, damn, this is like crazy. I ain't... I'm gonna be Jason Bourne. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like, man, yeah. I'm like Liam Neeson, yeah. Taken type. Yeah, you're about to kill it. skills. Yeah, you're about to kill it. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to the 31st episode of the eltoro.com podcast. And now we will present to you a montage of our best highlights from the past 30 episodes. So sit back for the next 30 minutes and listen to some gold from the eltoro.com podcast team. Today, we have a very special guest. Very lucky to have you in the office here, Ricky Mason. Welcome to the podcast, Ricky. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Ricky Mason is a Louisville native, a former D1 football player, and a rocket scientist. He cut his teeth working as an electrical engineer for the Department of Defense and a computer engineer for the CIA. When he needed a true challenge, he moved on to one of his passions, working on rocket engines for United Launch Alliance and NASA. So after tiring of government work and, and you know really wanting to kind of spread his wings and fly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ricky went out on his own to fulfill you know the vision he had for himself. So you know, and I read a little bit about you. So and we had lunch. You know, full disclosure, it's not the first time I've ever spoken with Ricky. Um, yeah. But Ricky says his success and vision are results of growth, not goals. And I found this really interesting because, you know, you say that goals play a role in directing growth, but discipline and vision facilitate that continuous growth. So Ricky specializes in really finding hope within some dire situations. He develops a plan and solves problems. And I, I, I truly think that Ricky is a shining example of a problem solver that invests in people and just so happens to love engineering. So, <laughs> solid. Welcome to the podcast, Ricky. <laughs> um, so, a little bit of your educational background here. Um, for those that are unfamiliar with a uh, CIA rocket scientist, uh, he has a Bachelor of Science from the University of Kentucky in Electrical and Electronics Engineering. Then you moved on and you got your master's from Johns Hopkins University in electrical and computer engineering. And now we've got some PhD work at UK in electrical and electronics engineering once again. Um, yeah, I went to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I stayed too long. Should we be calling you doctor? Should 
No. Uh, <laughs> All right, doctor. Uh, don't worry about that. We won't bring it up any longer. Um, so you are the founder of Kentucky Agritech, where he and his team developed software to make uh, to make the business of agriculture and farming more efficient, sustainable, and accessible. Uh, Ricky is also the founder of BrainStem where he shares his love of science, technology, engineering, art, and math with students of all ages to help them solve the future's problems. Um, and since running a few companies isn't enough, uh, Ricky is also a real estate investor, a crypto trader, a married father of two. Um, so, sorry, folks, um, this gentleman is taken. Um, you know, get in line. <laughs> so, uh, we are... Um, I mean, shout out to Case Simone. <laughs> <laughs> so we're drinking. Um, you know, our faces are a little bit redder than when we started sitting in this room a little while ago, and it's not just the heat. Um, it's the heat from the booze because we got a hot one in our laps today, y'all. Yes, we do. Bourbon of the day is Old Granddad 114 from the Beam Suntory Distillery. Um, so. One thing I would like to kind of cover here, because I heard some rumors, and one of the reasons why I picked this off the shelf is because some of my buddies were talking about uh, they're going to discontinue this line. And it just seems like when everything's hot in bourbon, you know, you can't really go wrong in a lot of situations here. But they were kind of talking about pulling old granddad from the shelves. It, it might have been recently. I'm not really sure. But uh, I did some research, and the Googles told me that that is false. So mm, do not worry. News. This is going to main, maintain its presence on the shelves, hopefully for some time. I'm, I'm a really big fan of it. Um, the brand's alive and well. It's one of those bourbons, as many of our listeners will note. Um, I like things that I can research and read about the mash bill before I start sipping on it. Um, so this one is 63% corn, 27% rye, and 10% malted barley. So you're going to have a little bit less rye than you would have on something like a uh, Four Roses OBSV or something along those lines. Um, it, but you can, I think the heat from the alcohol really allows you to kind of pick up on those rye notes where you can smell it, you can really taste it. Um, I'm a big fan of it. Um, so, cool little factoid about this, and it might just be part of the rumor mill. Buddies were telling me whatever. It's like, you remember little Jimmy's cousin from Three Towns Over? You know, I heard he flipped over the handlebars and turned his skin inside out kind of stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, the name of this bourbon uh, references none other than the Basil Hayden. Huh. So old granddad um, is actually manufactured in memoriam is that what they call it in memoriam, in memoriam basil yeah. hayden man i sound so fancy <laughs> right now gosh listeners i'm a professional mm. uh, <laughs> but i mean you'd think like one bourbon's enough but no 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 let's come out with the second one and that seems a little extra to me oh yeah um but then again you look at some jackass like pappy van winkle with all those r different lines out there i mean i'm probably gonna get shot in the state <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking, talking cash shit like this but it is what it is it does seem a little extra to me um so we all like to talk about the nose the taste the finish that we experience here so let's give it that let's give it that sniff mm. all right ricky you are our guest of honor what do you smell Fire. 
<laughs> fire. <laughs> yep. I get. Uh, well, you know what I get from that is cinnamon. No, you know yeah. that's what Ooh. I. That's what I feel. Yeah, it's that. cinnamon it's like, that, it's like yeah. that heat. See, I got Kinda spice, weird. but I just didn't know what it was. But I like that cinnamon. Yeah. Sounds. I'm also sick right now, so I don't know. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I have no idea what this smells like. <laughs> yeah, cinnamon. You I got cinnamon that. in there? Yeah, a little bit. At one point, it out. You know, I, what I if it's just it. the heat? You know, it could be the heat from this bourbon. Until this makes me think that this whole process is equally sub- suggestive. So <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. I'm down with that. I, I I like that note though. That's that's good to kind of pull it out of the blue. Yeah. But I get a lot of like I, I smell the spice. I couldn't identify it. Yeah. Um, I definitely get the wood. I get the booze. The booze yeah. is so damn hot. Um, this is, you know, you get like um, what was that? That Four Roses, uh, not Four Roses, but that Old Forester nineteen twenty that we had on here. It was a one fifteen. Yeah. And that drinks a lot mm. less alcoholy. Yeah. Than this old Granddad one fourteen, and I don't know if it's that spice that's playing in there, yeah. kind of causing us to. Uh, think this, but I think this would be super tasty mixed into an old fashioned. Um, I think that would be yeah. sick. A little sugar, pretty little, dark yeah, for it to bring it down. Mm. It is. So I get spice, I get wood, and then at the end of that nose, because I'm all about the finish, um, leather. Leather. Yeah, really? I get that. I smell like there's a, there's a smell that you get on like a new pair of shoes, like a new mm. pair of leather shoes that like as that scent finishes, I smell mm-hmm. leather. Um, or at least my body it's feels like more like of a it. feeling. Yeah, it's, it's more of a feeling than the smell. Actually, yeah, kind of like you it's feel what's happening to your insides. They're turning yeah. into. How does your brain interpret <laughs> these signals, folks? Tell us all about it. You just think that leather smell is going to hit. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. right at the yeah. end of that. Feel free to <laughs> write us at podcast podcast.altoro.com and let us know what you think about old granddad one fourteen. <laughs> and I would like to go ahead and specify that we are not sponsored. By Beam Centauri. But we could be. We could be. So, initial taste. Let's put that out there. (laughs) You know some people? Oh, no. You sure? They could sponsor us. You know that, right? (laughs) He has no recollection, Your Honor. (laughs) Like, maybe maybe the Department of Defense could give us some, like, laser rays or something Mm -hmm. like that. Maybe we can work on that. Star Wars stuff. That's what I'm looking for. Centauri. All right. So, what do you taste here? You know it's crazy. I guess I'm very auditory from you, man. But I, I, the second you say leather, then I do feel that, like, or, or it's like a hint of it. I get the end. suggestion. It, I think it is. Maybe I should get hypnotized. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm suggestible. I like it. Yeah, that's what I'm learning from this bourbon. Is that I can maybe this bourbon is hypnotic. Okay, <laughs> it's perfect. It's gonna take you in. <laughs> All right, what you taste? Breathtaking. <laughs> Breathtaking. <laughs> All right. No. It's um, I don't know. To... Oh, yeah, you're doing the chew. Yeah, he's doing yeah, a Kentucky, Kentucky chew right now. He's chew. taking the Anybody from Kentucky chews it a little bit <laughs> oh, yeah. when they drink you know, it. Like, toss it around a little bit. Yeah. This is one of those ones you got to get. Um... That's where I feel the cinnamon, though. I think yeah. I can taste the cinnamon more nice. so on my tongue. Mm-hmm. It's like this is one of those. Red Hots. Yeah. Red yeah. Hots. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they use Red Hots in the distilling process. Beam Centauri, <laughs> feel free to write podcast at altoro.com. Big uh, Red Bubble Gum. Big Red, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's even closer. Mm-hmm. That's even closer. But like I get um, I get that spice. I get that alcohol flavor in there. But this is one of those ones that I've got to drink and like put a little bit on my tongue uh, because it is so hot. Like I put a little bit on there and I know that that second sip is going to be a lot easier on my palate. Um, and it allows me to kind of dissect it a little bit more, I think. Uh, but I'm really just talking out of my ass. Um, you get, I get rye. 
in a very intense fashion here. Like that spice from the rye, it really hits me hard, and this has a decently high rye content. Um, yeah, it really does. I um, like, I like feeling it though. I like yeah. the feeling of this bourbon in my mouth. Like it feels. Um, like I, they don't have any age statement in association with this, but like it feels like thicker on the tongue, like a like an older bourbon would. And I don't know what they do to make it taste like that, but you know, sticking whatever. with me more than most of them do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, on that vein, it finishes. To in my opinion, I like knowing that I drank bourbon. Mm-hmm. Like I like a little bit of heat going down. It's nice and pleasant. Um, as it like moves across my tongue, it spreads out to the edges. It goes all the way down. Like I just took a sip a couple of seconds ago, and now repeat I that. It does what it spreads all the way out to the mm-hmm. edges. It spreads all the way out. Yeah, it like goes all the way down. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I like don't, that description I'm, of the bourbon. Big fan mm-hmm. of Old Granddad 114. You know, by the time we're done with this description of the bourbon, I'm probably going to be on a second glass and forgetting <laughs> what the hell the name is. So, um, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So, I guess, uh, you know, when did you decide you were going to be a really solid candidate for president and yeah. you wanted to pursue those dreams? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Don't lie to us. <clears throat> mm-hmm. No, I just, honestly, I'm like, I can't be myself and be president. <laughs> so, fuck being president. <laughs> I don't know. These days you might be able to. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I have learned some things over the last couple of years. Um, that you can, you know, more so be yourself and maybe people will get behind you just being yourself. For sure. Yeah. Not to say anything I mean, about the current political climate, but sure, yeah. yeah we make a, a lot, lot of money more, in um, politics, so we just like, uh, you know, you know, kind of yeah. stay away with our yeah. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not making any opinion. I mean, I'm just... I have no Everything opinion. is in its proper place. Yeah. Good job, world. <laughs> Yay. Cheers to you, world. <laughs> See yin and yang. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Everything so, has wins and losses. You went to college at UK. And what was your decision-making process in, you know, abandoning uh, the city of Louisville and, <laughs> you know, starting to form allegiances with that institution? <laughs> First off, <laughs> I've been UK since the start. <laughs> you know, it's always been BBN, though. Um, kind of most of my family always have given me shit for being like a Kentucky fan. It's only like two of us, me and my brother. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. So I kind of, like, I guess I just went against my family mm. more so than anything yeah. at that point when I was a kid with my brother. But um, engineering was a big push for that. Like U of L, you know, forcing you to get the masters and having to go to school over the summer or work and co-op over the summer. So I was like, nah, that's not for me. Yeah. And then I actually wanted to get away from the city just because, um, I don't know, I was looking for something different. Yeah. Get away from sure. like friends here, but um, and then my also my football coach told me that I couldn't play Division One football in high school. So, um, between none of Division Two schools having engineering programs or it being like a three-two thing, I was like, man, I'm going to UK. I'm gonna train this summer, and if I make the team, it's for me to play. If I don't, then I'm just going to school and I'm gonna get this engineering degree. So yeah, it's a win-win for me. You always knew you wanted to hop into engineering. Um, so I made that decision. Kind of early, it was like crazy. Um, I went to a, um, a Catholic school from fifth to eighth grade, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a guy come in from IBM with a robot, 
And um, he actually oh. programmed it on stage, and he let me come up and help with the demonstration, like punch cards. Nice. And, like, I had no idea what a punch card was. I'm like sitting in the audience, I'm like, how the hell is he making this robot move? Is that like real? And um, at that point, I decided I wanted to be a robotics engineer, and um, yeah, that was my vision from there. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Super, what are what are punch cards? <laughs> the audience they don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna chime in on this one. Uh, Jeremy probably used a punch card based computer Close one. Enough. <laughs> Close enough. Never actually used one. <laughs> so except but, for your robot, yeah, except for my robot that drew me into engineering. So. Well, it's super interesting having like that one pivotal moment that sent you down the path that yeah. you know you you are on or you're on today uh, and you've kind of maintained that path ever since then. It's like very few people can like segment in on that one instance in life and I think that's admirable to be able to trace it back. So solid memory, man. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Like I remember telling people like, "Yeah, I'm going to be a robotics engineer." And we were, didn't know the first thing about making a robot. <laughs> degrees of freedom. I'm like, what the hell is degree of freedom? <laughs> when I kind of like, open books and things. But yeah, it's kind of. Were you a Star Wars fan? No. No? I was excited enough for the C3PO, like... RC, uh, R2D2. Whoa, R2D2 wow. type. Uh... Never watched Star Wars, never Star Trek. Really? None of that well, if you've stuff. never seen them, there are these characters. <laughs> C3PO, <laughs> R2D2. <laughs> they're just buddies, they're, and they're robot buddies. <laughs> We're not sponsored by Disney, no, so I don't no, know if yeah, we Disney's can afford take to us keep down. talking about Star Wars characters. We're going to edit that out. I'm going to edit that one out. So you went to UK. Um, you ended up walking onto the football team. Yep. Uh, waxing the floor with Randall Cobb. <laughs> right? I mean, I ain't going to say I waxed the floor with him. But, but you're faster yeah. than Randall Cobb. I think I'm faster than Randall Cobb. Nice. Nice. You heard it here first, Randall Cobb. And don't forget about that million that you owe me. <laughs> he's going to be on next week. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We'll bring this up. Don't yeah, worry about bring it. bring Randall on next week. We got you. He probably doesn't remember this, but <laughs> that was the end of my football career. How'd you get injured? Oh, no. We were doing one-on-ones. I was going up for an uh, interception uh, against Randall, and um, I jumped up to grab the interception and he tried to dislodge the ball from it and pull my arm back, and I fell on my shoulder. Like, yeah. Oh. Mm. So, yeah, dislocating my shoulder, and, yeah. Oof. That's kind of the no, end. No, no, that's a gruesome one. Sorry. You're you okay. You're done. You're saying, you know what, I'm done. I see, other, I see better things for myself. I'm seeing robots. I'm seeing the future. I got to get in with the government. Is that how, is that how your brain went? No. Nah. How did your brain go? <laughs> <laughs> now, for real, my brain went, like, Dude, I can't play football anymore. I'm just going to join a bunch of organizations. I'm going to pledge a frat. So that's what I did. Oh, okay. I became like president of a couple organizations, pledge a frat. And the internship just kind of kind of happened. Like the government, they were on campus uh, looking to interview people. I went to the Goodwill, <laughs> bought a Navy suit that yeah, was over yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah, I got walked into that interview, man. And yeah, and it, it worked out. So that's how I ended up at the DOD, though. All right, so tell us yes. what you did at the Department of Defense. For those of you who are, un- who are unfamiliar with the acronym DOD. Yes. Yeah, so um, my primary vehicle was like the uh, Bradley, so the Beefus Bradley, if you're familiar with the like, variations. But, um, yeah, so you're we- riding this to work. <laughs> driving this to work. Damn near. I mean, I live like a mile away, and like <laughs> we had to drive them out to the, you know, the track and all that stuff. So, yeah, we got to drive them, shoot them. So we were like testing like accuracy. So after so many miles driven, 
we wanted to make sure that the computers and everything were still functioning properly. So we would test the accuracy, test the computer systems, test everything after driving 500, 1,000, so many miles. So you would have to drive this thing 500 miles. Well, no, not me personally. Well, I could have if I wanted to, <laughs> but we Road had like trip. a trip. <laughs> yeah, for real, like over hills and bumps. Club and, the club with that. Yeah, it was kind of cool. <laughs> was That's really wild. Cool. So, and you got to shoot the guns on it. So yeah, that was so yeah, that was at least once a week. We went out did testing yeah. with the weapons. So we got to shoot the Bradley. I got to shoot the Abrams. Um, and that was a really cool experience. I don't know if you, like the Abrams, you think like shooting it, it's going to be really loud. You're going to get a lot. But like sitting inside of the Abrams and shooting that 125 millimeter gun, it's just like smooth. It's just, At <laughs> what age? What age were you? Um, I was 19. Nice. That's yeah. awesome, yeah. man. Especially as a 19 year old. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> got to test the crow system out there. Um, Explain to everybody what the crow system is. The crow system, and this was the first time that I really like, like you're really gamifying like this whole operation. The crow system is you're kind of sitting in the Humvee, and you're controlling the 50 cal um, with a joystick with a camera. So you got the 50 cal on top of your Humvee, and you're looking at a screen just like Call of Duty, basically. And yeah, you're shooting a 50 cal on top of a vehicle. So that's kind of the crow system. So we were testing that like right as it was rolling out uh, back. Was that 2010? I mean, in college, when I would play video games, <laughs> yeah, it, was usually, it was usually like Way me lower. getting drunk and then playing video games. So when you were drunk and driving the Bradley or <laughs> operating the Crow system, were you more or less accurate? More accurate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience. And, like, yeah, it was a military base. So some of those things that, yeah, they, it was it was fun. <laughs> it's like I cannot disclose. <laughs> so, you're working with the Department of Defense. You're in the gamification of military infrastructure at this juncture. <laughs> Basically, it's how. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so shooting it. What what are you guys shooting at even when you're? I mean, because you're, you're you're these are expensive rounds. I mean, hell, a fucking fifty cal costs you like a buck a round. So I mean, you're shooting. Real ordinance here. Yeah, I mean, we're shooting at I mean targets. We we're on that. <clears throat> if you're familiar with Aberdeen Proving Ground, if you know, kind of. Like, I've never shot an Abrams tank before, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but you you explained it to me. <laughs> but like we're on this, it's like a 26 mile stretch of like coast, um, on the east coast. So we kind of shooting at targets or whatever, kind of out there off of the coast. So, um. They're pretty much just regular type targets for real. It's not okay. So but, you're but, hanging out on the beach, playing with guns, <laughs> shooting at stuff in the water. Yeah, pictures of ex girlfriends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we tried to avoid shooting stuff in the water. Right, right. <laughs> that was the, okay. We tried to, but that yeah, seems like the safe spot to shoot. Uh, well. Oh, uh, whales and shit. <laughs> nah, people. <laughs> yeah, people. Are they, is it not like, I mean, I presume it'd be blocked off. It's blocked <laughs> off, but, I mean, you still. Just, if, yeah, you got to run the risk. Yeah, you got to run the risk. And we lost a, I mean, they lost a hot air balloon. I don't know if you heard about that experiment where they lost that hot air balloon. Um, we still didn't like lose right a after tank. I left. Like they Keep going. Yeah. yeah, but they lost, like, an experimental hot air balloon, and they had to shoot it down. <laughs> what? Like, a up there. balloon? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that one was doing. But um, I just kind of heard about it, especially like, yeah, from people. They found that a balloon there. in Roswell back in '47. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys remember the balloon boy incident too? Remember that one? <laughs> I 
called Get that blown one. up in the space. I called that one. <laughs> All right. Well, piggybacking off of that, though, um, I, I recall when we chatted earlier, we were talking about the importance of networking. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that has been a, a major key in, in, in the path you've taken. Uh, could you speak to that a little bit or just, um, you know, some kid interested in getting in robotics and the types of things you did, how did you find yourself exposed to all that? I mean, I think, yeah, like you said, networking was an exposure. It was kind of the biggest key. Um, just going to that school, um, if I was still at the public school that I was at, Jacob Elementary School, I would have never experienced that right. IBM like uh, engineer coming in and showing us uh, the robot. So that was one experience. And then I guess even leaving Kentucky, I know, I mean, leaving Louisville and going to U.K., like leaving all my friends, um, being in engineering kind of alone, uh, kind of by myself, it kind of made me have to network. Um, yeah. So, um, you really st- you see, you step way outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, I mean, and you just kind of started nose diving towards your passion, I suppose, right? Yep, pretty much. I mean, that was kind of the, but like people, just building relationships, and has been kind of key to success for me, for real. And were a lot of these like network type events. Were they uh, um, campus held, or did you really have to seek them out? Like, were they across the city or whatnot? Um, some of them were campus held. Um, so that DOD job got that on campus, but the um, NASA job. So we were in at a conference in Birmingham, kind of uh, just down there talking to people and like interviewed on the like I, think I interviewed on the spot. And then I put in my application after I interviewed nice. <laughs> for the job. So they were like, "This man's an astronaut." We see, <laughs> we see, we yeah. see it immediately. Yeah. So that's kind of been, yeah, just seeking those opportunities, I guess. Yeah. All right. It just seems so huge because you just, I don't know, it, uh, you never really um, would see how opportunities like that are presented. <laughs> At least, like when I think about it, I don't think like I'm going to go to a conference. I'm going to meet somebody from NASA. You know, it, it seems so out of reach. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just because we're in a, you know, a, a, not a smaller place, but, you know, somewhere like Kentucky, it seems uh, innocuous or whatnot. Um, yeah, but I think that's yeah. one of those big points that I always push to people. And I'm like, so, I, I mean, yeah, people don't talk about UK as an engineering school or, right. or anything. But, hey, I went to UK and I still was able to make it to work at places that shit you don't hear people from Kentucky, like, working at. So I think it's just a test to... Um, actually reaching out and like seeking those opportunities that like you're saying that building that network they're out there yep, yeah definitely well, you were also clearly a very driven person as well and you spoke to it a second ago by saying you know instead of seeking out groups to join you end up becoming the leader of these organizations or the president or whatnot so um that being said so your dream was the cia right no. No. No, what am I talking about? <laughs> my dream was just to man become a robotics engineer and become more of an inventor. That's really was my my dream like at the yeah, at the core of it. Like the CIA just kind of was like, "Damn, this is a dope ass opportunity and I'll probably get to make robots and, <laughs> and do really cool shit there." So that was kind of yeah. All, All right. right. So, uh, I'm so go ahead. I'm no, uh, talk to us about that transition from the DOD and and throughout the rest of school and, you know, perhaps your entrance into, and I don't know exactly how that time frame worked, you know, mm-hmm. in, rocket engines and NASA and CIA. So you kind of fill in those blanks for me because, um, ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing it here first. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's just recently been released from his nondisclosure from the government. <laughs> so uh, this is 
hot topics. Exclusive. Exclusive, <laughs> exclusive stuff. Barbara Wawa wanted it, <laughs> but El Toro got him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so after the DOD um, kind of went to Unite Launch Alliance, that was next. So um, I went down there, um, was on the electronics ground team, so we kind of monitored the sensors uh well, while the, monitor the rocket while it was on the pad. So we monitored the sensors that were on the rocket while it was on the pad. Um, just making sure that the rocket didn't blow up or everything was safe or whatever while um, the rocket was there. So um, while I was there, I primarily worked with the Delta Four rockets. So um, if you're familiar with the different rockets. Of course uh, I am. Yeah, so the Delta Four and the Atlas V were the two that United Launch Alliance um, kind of work with our launch um, at Cape Canaveral. But um yeah, so I got to launch the GPS-2F2 satellite. Um, I got to launch Juno. Um, I got to launch Aquarius. Really? Yeah. So that was one of the... Oh, no, I, I know what that is. Oh, well, so can you speak to that a little bit? I, I don't yeah. no idea what you're talking about. So um, Juno um, was the rocket that was... Uh, well, the rocket, the satellite, <laughs> that's going to, uh, well, that is at, that is uh, orbiting Jupiter at the moment. Um, wow. So I think we just got pictures, new pictures back. I yeah, saw that, like, that's couple, an awesome like, mission. Yeah, that's wow. Awesome. Yeah. Last Friday or something like that. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, so we launched Juno. Um, we launched Aquarius, which was supposed to be studying the um, the tide and its effect on our climate and the weather and things of that nature. Um, and then GPS-2F2 is just like the second series of GPS satellites. So we're replacing all of those old uh, first edition GPS satellites. And that was like the second of the 36 or oh, whatever wow. that are going to be replaced. So, um, and there was one more missing. Oh, we launched the last space shuttle while oh. I was there. So that was kind of cool. Got to watch that take off. Yeah, um, I think that mission was to the International Space Station or something like that. So it wasn't to the moon, <laughs> which I thought would have been a lot cooler. Just like driving down the street, y'all. No big deal. But um, yeah, man, that experience was like crazy. Um, I don't know that first rocket, like just actually standing out there and feeling the heat. You don't think that you're gonna feel heat from something that's like miles away from you, but you still feel the heat like on on your skin, pretty like warm. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, so it's kind of it's cool. Eat like this old granddad, 114. <laughs> yeah. Brought to you by Beam Suntory. <laughs> Some of the smoothest bourbon manufacturers in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, when we were going out to lunch, see, I'm telling you, it's got that good kind of bite to it. <laughs> so you were telling us this story when we were out to lunch the other day about, uh, like, you know, you saw something that needed to get addressed. You're like, yeah, let me let me cruise out on that scaffolding and fix this. Oh yeah yeah yeah. So we had an issue with um, the swing arm on one of the on the um, one of the rockets, and um, they asked me, hey, for those people who don't understand what a swing arm on a rocket, which obviously we do, <laughs> um, talk to us about what a swing arm on a rocket does and the importance of that in the process of rocketry. Yeah, so if you um <laughs> if you ever watch like a rocket launch and you see like those little Lego looking arm things that are hanging sure. on to like the, the top entries. of the rocket. Yeah. yeah. Um so those are swing arms. Um and then usually probably what three going up. Three swing arms. Don't quote me on that. 
mm-hmm. uh, the number of swing arms. But yeah, so the swing arms kind of hold the rocket, and the swing arms release as the rocket's taken off. Kind of. Okay. So we had to uh, modify the um, ladder logic for the swing arm because it in the um, in my train of thought here. Simulations for the um, the swing arm wasn't going to release properly, so okay. we had to go up and go up on the swing arm about two hundred plus feet in the air nice. on this little arm. It's like a narrow three foot path. Uh, well, the arm is like three foot wide up there, but the path is probably a foot and a half wide. Oh my God, you're walking delta. on this thing, yeah. looking down. This was on the delta. Yeah, this on the delta. Yeah, so we were walking down that swing arm and, yeah, checking out and testing these sensors, uh, trying to find out which one is... Uh, Pushing your glasses up I, on the bridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize I was afraid of heights until I got, yeah. got oh, here. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> so, Shaking, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it, luckily it was before I got out on that swing arm that I realized that because when you're on the... Um, well, it's called a VIF, the vertical integration... Uh, vertical integration something... Whatever, the VIF. Okay. But, um, yeah, you're at the top, but it's graded, so it's not like it's solid, a solid platform when you're up there at the top. So I, I'm walked out for the first time, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, because I come from the inside right. on a solid platform, right. and you walk outside, and it's graded, and I'm like, oh, this is cool, and then I look down. Like, oh, my <laughs> God. <Yeah>. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah, that was the first time that my, like, heart dropped, and I'm like, I can't move. Let me walk back in. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah, man, it was a hell of an experience just to even be that high next to a rocket in there. Like, then there's still like levels that I wasn't able to go to because I didn't have clearance. Oh man, to, I think I'd be a different yeah. kind of high next to a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> For real, I don't know what you're talking about. Do you do you keep up with them? Do you keep up because they're all still in orbit, right? I mean, obviously the Jupiter. Well, I try to keep up with the like. I haven't kept up with Aquarius, but definitely Juno um, kept up kept up with that. I mean, and then the the GPS satellite, just because that was my very first like launch, was the GPS two F two. So I kind of try to keep up with with that, just because I it's have so sentimental. Cool. <laughs> That's cool. It is. It's so cool. I mean, I I love space. I'm fascinated by stuff like that. And you're providing. You helped create something that provides knowledge of the unknown, you know? I think that that's amazing. I think that that's literally incredible. That gives me chills thinking about stuff like that. Yeah, so no. cool. And you're part of that, man. Yeah. No big deal. You find yes. yourself, like, getting lost in, like, um, you know, PBS documentaries on – I think there was one on the, the – the, there was, like, a 30-year mission to get a satellite in the orbit around Saturn, and it just recently did, like, kind of its death drop because the batteries were running out or something like that. that. Cassini? I don't remember it. the name of it. They crashed it into the – They crashed it into yeah. the Saturn. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe one of the moons or something yeah, like that. I don't know. I'm not an astronaut. Like <laughs> <you are. laughs> yeah, that's what the kids call me. Astro man. Astro rocket man. I can think of worse. <laughs> yeah, man. That's not a bad... <laughs> Get away, creepy man in the van. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Astro man sounds way better. Your title beats mine. <laughs> so are you? do you have like an active interest in the development of commercial space flight and the breakneck speed that it's, <clears throat> it's going on right now? Um, I think, I mean, like... Commercial, like, space travel is going to be cool, but I guess I'm more into, like, those people that are trying to, like, get to the meteors and, like, harvest, like, mm-hmm. the meteors yeah. and stuff like that. That's kind of more interesting to me because I yeah. feel like that's, like, 
I don't know. I feel like just space travel. You want to take me in a little space? Yeah, I'm going to see the Earth. I'm going to look down. And What's the goal here? Yeah, yeah. so you're just making money right now sure. <laughs> off of that. But I feel like um, like that them actually mapping meteors and like that's kind of more so like what I'm into like right now. I'm just watching how they're what they're trying to do with space and like next actually, gold rush. Yeah. And actually, like, mapping space and being able to navigate space with, like, GPS accuracy um, to find, like, meteors and, like, to basically mine them. Like, Rose saying, it's the next gold rush. Their value already being up there, not having to get it up there, it's it's worth so much more. Yeah. Interesting. So do you think, I mean, with commercial interest in space travel, space exploration, harvesting resources from space i mean do you think we're going to greatly accelerate our understanding and knowledge of the environment up there i mean do you think that you know i mean i, I don't know do you think this is a blessing for space exploration do you think it's more of a curse that it's become commercialized i mean tell me your thoughts on that i mean you're 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 rocket scientist <laughs> um i mean in my opinion i don't i mean we're we breathe air <laughs> so I mean I feel like yeah we can explore space but as humans I don't think we're probably like gonna be those people that go into space and maybe live on a different planet like type of deal so I feel like it's like cool for us and it's something that we can see like going on but I feel like another life form or something will <laughs> live in space other than like us hint hint it's a point, point. Yeah. Let's talk about them aliens, man. Let's talk. I know right you know what's up. Dude. No, I don't. I don't. Let no. our listeners know they deserve <laughs> it. No, I just no. I don't have anything. Yeah. This is an odd question, but do you find it? Do you find a fun, a strange pressure being called a rocket scientist? Like, do you find a weird yes. expectation with that? <laughs> yeah, you're it's like, like you're a rocket scientist. You're right. I mean? like, because that's the thing that people throw out there. Like, look, it's not rocket science, and you're like, well, I mean, I can figure it out if I needed to. Yeah, I mean, I, think I that understand was, the math. <laughs> I think when I when I went down there, they handed me a water bottle and said, "You're a rocket scientist," and that was like the like I'd never yeah. paid attention to it until I was like drinking it one day right. and I looked down. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm a rocket scientist. It's <laughs> like, no, I'm not. But okay, because that was kind of my yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's pressure. Yeah, it is though. It's, like people, like you say, rocket scientist. I'm like, no, I don't even want that title because of how people. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's what you can win anyone at a party. You really can't. Yeah, but I don't think you. So that's not. That's not. You're not that kind of guy. You're not that guy. You drop rocket science on people. I, don't, yeah, I am a rocket. I would though. If I were a rocket scientist, I would shamelessly. <laughs> well, that's, drop it that's, like that's why we don't deserve Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm a rocket scientist, okay? You need to add a little more vodka to that. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. That's right. <laughs> All right, so yeah. you're working for United Launch Alliance, um, going through school, yada, yada, yada. What happens next? Walk us through the career. Man. Well, I met my wife. <laughs> that's kind of what happened right in that same time. Um, yeah, I met my wife. Um, Glorious individual. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and yeah, we're gonna talk her up. We'll space bar this one, mm -hmm. edit out the other stuff. You go ahead and talk her up. Thanks, baby. Oh, you're safe. Great. I met my wife, um, <clears throat> and I mean, from there, like college was a blur for real. From like junior year to senior year, it was more so about like my frat and like school was. I felt like 
once I got the job at NASA, I was like, oh, I'm locked in. Yeah. I can get a job anywhere from here. So um, I kind of, yeah. like, focused on, like, school and, like, having fun for real. So I um, went, like, heavy with the fraternity and heavy with the organization. So I, um, until then, man, it was all, like, school and just fun. Like, we step shows. If you ever heard of Stonepalooza at UK, like, and that was, like, a huge event. I was, like, the chair for Stonepalooza for two years. What is it? What? It's a step show. So we taught um, – so I was a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity, mm-hmm. um, NPHC organization, if you're familiar with historically black, like Greek organization. And, but we did Stonepalooza where we taught like the IFC and NPC Greek organizations like step shows. So um, we had about 20 teams participate. I think I had to coach. No, we had like 30 teams participate. I coached five myself after college, moved to D.C., um, started working with the CIA uh, there's a computer engineer. Um, oh, yeah, did, me, yeah, me, me too. How does that happen? How did, did a man like in an overcoat and a shady hat was like, you need to work for the CIA now? <laughs> that was another thing. I was yeah, at man. another conference. Yeah. Just a, man. At another conference, uh, I had actually accepted a job with uh, United Launch Alliance to work on the avionics for the new space capsule um, in Boulder when the CIA hit me up and was like, yeah, we... Um, we we're going to give you an offer contingent up on you passing our background check and all of that stuff. And I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. So I'm uh, actually, I think I was at NASA when I got that <laughs> phone call. Oh, and I'm like running around Man. in my apartment two blocks off of the beach that they're paying for. And I'm like, ah, I'm accepting your offer. But do you know what I just got? And I'm, I call my mom and I'm like jumping on the couch, <laughs> like freaking out because I'm like, damn, this is like crazy. I ain't... I'm going to be Jason Bourne. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm like, Man, yeah. I'm like Liam Neeson. This is yeah. The Taken type. Yeah. You're about to, you're about to, yeah, you're about to kill it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of – so I'm sitting there nervous about that whole process, though, because, I mean, you know, talking about a CIA background check, I went through the first one for, like, you know, uh, United Launch Alliance and NASA, and that was, like, just a secret. So let's just fill out some paperwork, send it in, and, you know, you're good. But this is a completely different process. So, I mean, I'm at school. They're like, all right, send me references. Send them the references. They send a guy from the FBI in. He yeah. interviews me. Then he goes and talks to those people that I give him. But then he really doesn't talk to them. He asks them to give him two people. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Who's he going to talk to? Right. But, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. That, and that's an interesting. Kind of stress. That's interesting how they do that. <laughs> that yeah, is yeah. cool. Now, when they're interviewing and stuff, is this like polygraph type stuff? Is this um, like- so, well, that didn't happen all, until after all of that. Oh, my God. So after all that kind of happened, then they flew me down to um, D.C., and then, you know, you do your physical, you do, you down, I think I down there for about three days um, for the process. So you do physical, poly, several polys. Um, several polygraphs. Yeah, several polys. Really? Yeah. Over three days. How many per day would you run? Um, about two. No freaking way. Two for several hours. What do you think they But, I mean, working? you've known how to beat a poly for years, though, right? right? <laughs> At this point. <laughs> I mean, I think with, like... My, they beat me over the head with like drugs. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Ah, well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that was their uh, well, drugs and uh, 
parroting oh parroting <laughs> yeah, music and how much music have I parroted I said man I've been like, parroting since I was king. all of it <laughs> yeah. like, since I was 10 years old I can't tell you how many songs I've parroted I thanks Sean know. Parker <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. dude I had a Napster account <laughs> cause I yeah oh yeah Lime Bear, Lime Bear, Lime Bear. Lime. Iso Hunt <laughs> all of them news oh, yeah. groups oh yeah Oh, yeah. this guy. This guy. <laughs> that's if you knew how to do news groups, that's where it was at. See, that's mm. why you're smarter than the rest of us, Jeremy. Older. That's <laughs> Hit of the game. All right. So now you're working for the CIA. You're Jason boarding it up around the globe. <laughs> right. Doing your thing. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about your transition into entrepreneurial life. Um Well, yeah, so working at the CIA, um, and it was cool, um, but I just didn't feel fulfilled in being able to like spread my wings and kind of do what I wanted to do. Like I said I wanted to be robotics and be an engineer, I mean, an inventor at heart, and I wasn't able to invent kind of what I wanted to invent um, or even move around in the organization how I wanted to move. So I um, came back to the UK um, and started working on that PhD while working being an adjunct faculty in the College of Agriculture. Okay. Um, there, um, teaching a couple of classes and that after realizing that I didn't want to teach, um, and that college students really weren't prepared to use their engineering degrees or skills, even once they graduated, um, kind of made me want to start brainstem. So that's why I started brainstem. And, um, then, Getting into ag, which I never thought that I would end up in ag um, as an electrical engineer and wanting to do sure. robots. I was like, man, there's a lot of opportunity, <clears throat> especially being in, in Kentucky in ag. And after like developing like IoT and drone technology and stuff like that and um, for the college, it's like, man, yeah, why, why am I doing this here for $50,000 a year <laughs> when I can, you know, for sure do the same thing and make $50,000 a month? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of... Um, it was kind of my take on it, and I mean, I don't know if you like familiar with UK, but UK is quick to like budget cuts; they're quick to chop people mm. too. So, um, and I mean, I just kind of felt like that was kind of coming down the pipeline. Sure. Um, at the university, I mean, and even if it didn't come my way, um, I didn't want to be within that range at all. So, um, and I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I kind of always had told my mom, like I don't know what I'm gonna do, but it's gonna be something. Um, and I never thought that houses and investing in real estate would be kind of the platform. Yeah, how did uh, how'd that start? Um, and that started in D.C. So back when I was in D.C., I was making, I don't know, I was making 80K, and I felt like I had decent credit. I was like, I couldn't buy a house. And that really pissed me off. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I'm like, man, I, I can't afford it. You won't give me, I can't, you won't approve me for a loan to even buy anything and i mean i've been here for about six to eight months at my job and you know and i'm just i mean i'm fresh out of college of course so i mean of course my credit i don't have a lot of credit history sure so that kind of uh so bringing in 80k at your age group i mean you're in the one percent like literally you know yeah I, for sure uh, at least for at the time yeah that's it's, that's uh, that's crazy they want him to have credit cards. Yeah, that's yep. what they want. And that's, that's what, it, what they right. want you yeah. to have. And that's what happened. I, that's what I did. I went and went out and got three credit cards, and I just started putting like a hundred bucks on yeah. them a month. And within, you know, well, 
yeah, within the, I said, screw buying something up there because it was just so expensive to get what I wanted at sure. that point. And I came back to Kentucky and I bought a house for $98,000, hey, $650 yeah, a month buddy. rent, I mean, nice. mortgage. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I saved so much money while I was in D.C. So that was kind of my, my thing. Once I realized I didn't want to be there, I started saving money. So I saved like forty k while I was there. I was saving like two wow. band, two thousand dollars a month. Hard. I, I lived in a basement apartment, paying eight fifty, um, just to save money. So I came back here. I bought my wife's wedding ring. I mean, my wife's engagement ring. Bought our house in Lexington, and then I started investing kind of here. So I bought uh, basically three rental properties within the first year. Two <clears throat> two duplexes and a triplex. And got those rented and um, kind of started working with the... And then I'm like, oh, credit is a great thing now. After yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure. I figured out how to work that um, that game. So that's what allowed <laughs> me to kind of quit my job, actually, once things kind of were like, ah, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. So I um, quit my job uh, May 12th of 2018. And, um, man, I had about three months of vacation. Good for you. So, <laughs> used my three months of vacation and um, kind of started brainstem, um, looking to do like summer camps. Um, like I said, just to fill that niche of like one college students not knowing how to use their skills once they graduated. Like so many of my friends or even the students that I was teaching, they felt like I don't even know what to do. But once they came to my class, they were like, "Well, shit, I can at least." program something in Arduino. I can at least build a product. I can get a prototype done. Like like all of this other stuff that I've learned, this theory, I don't even know how to apply that. I've never applied it. Yeah. So, um, and that's what I wanted to feel with Brainstem. It just so happened that um, it seemed like younger kids are what people are more so willing to like, push STEM at. Like the older kids are like, ah, you go into sports, you know you want to go to college, yeah. you'll figure it out. But those are the people that really need it most. And I was really just haven't been able to get traction kind of in that area. It's kind of, I don't know. It's weird That's really it. interesting that you can't get the, the traction with, are you talking about like teenagers or like? Like high school teenagers? students. Really? You don't get. Did, did this, uh, this gets you into like mentoring, right? Is, is that what you so largely describe a brain, brainstem? Yeah, it's, and I, it's crazy you say that um, over the summer, one of the, um, camp directors so we come in we do intro to engineering for like some of the camps and that's what she said she's like man she's like you we brought you in here for engineering but you're like a social worker right, right. Um, <laughs> right. so mm-hmm. that's kind of well, uh, like as Stadler said at the beginning he thinks that you're a people person you know what i mean it, it, very yeah. much so you, you you want to help you know what i mean mm-hmm. i see knowing you yeah it's in your chat with you yeah man that's my at the core that's that's me um for sure um, if I, like I told my wife, I said, if I if money, I could just do whatever I wanted. I would probably just make stuff and give it to people to help. I would make stuff to help people um, do whatever they're trying to do more efficiently. So that's kind of like my first company name was Bionic Innovations. Okay. And the whole push behind Bionic Innovations was to make things easier for, make daily tasks or things easier for like your everyday person. Like just however you want to do that with robots or automation or efficiency. So that's kind of what brought bionic innovations and that's kind of like the whole idea that's in my mind i'm really lazy as fuck so i want to think of ways to make things easier for me to do 
<laughs> so that's like that's how I feel. Like I'm lazy, so I want to. I spend more time thinking about how to solve the problem than I could have just went over there and picked it up. But I don't want to go over there and pick it up every time. Lazy and technology. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, man. I, was like, I feel like I hear more brilliant people say I'm lazy. It's it's insane to me. It's not lazy. It's energy efficient. Yeah. yeah. Work smarter, thinking. not harder. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, so let's let's talk more about. So you've got Brainstem going. You've got Agritech. What are you guys working on? Um, with Brainstem or Kentucky Agritech? Brainstem? Uh, either one. Both. Oh, both. So yeah, you, sorry. You feel free to take this conversation wherever you like. Yeah. Uh, cool. You are our guest. <laughs> now, Brainstem, um, so we just opened our first uh, kind of brick and mortar at um, in Shelby Park area. We're at uh, Jacksonwood. So uh, we just launched that for third to fifth graders in our RMS program over there, which is going really well. This, well, we had our first week last week, and then this week kind of cut short because school was out. But, um, yeah, we're looking to start our robotics teams um, here in the beginning of November, and then we're going to have a big robotics competition in December, like right before Christmas break, like our guest Christmas break weekend. Um, so um, that'll be rolling out next you week. Mean, like Robot Wars? Um I wish. <clears throat> Love that show. But I just don't think, like, we're going to have enough, like, time to... I think, like, this... My, my goal with the summer is to kind of get some high school students and build some, like, FRC-type robots and get some stuff going. But um, What's an FRC? Um, so FRC, they kind of build, like, larger robots that compete on, like, basketball court size, oh, um, okay. like, uh, arenas, and then I like, pick up balls and throw them, or they try to put them in, like, different bins and stuff like that. It's like an obstacle course kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I'd love to see that man. So the Robo Jockeys is a local team that we kind of partner with. Um, they came to our Steam Festival um, in April or whatever, and uh, they had the robot out there. They were throwing the ball to the kids and stuff like that. So it's been <laughs> pretty cool. They're sponsored That's by cool. UPS, I think, which also sponsored that event for us. Well, somewhat. There's video of that on YouTube. You should send us links to that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely on there. <clears throat> But um, but yeah, so um, that's kind of what Brainstem's kind of doing right now. But we're just looking to more so expand. We're in Mill Creek Elementary uh, with the Intro to Aerospace Engineering program, just teaching those kids that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, but with Kentucky Agritech, that's kind of where we're kind of ramping up some of our more, I guess, exciting uh, stuff. Um, we're working on some software for hemp, so um, monitoring hemp from seed to sale. So um purchasing of the seed to planting. So we're monitoring um, some hardware that's going to monitor uh, during kind of the grow growth phases. Um, some drone technology to help with like phenotyping and uh, monitoring during the growth phases. And then moving into the, um, I guess, more people are doing this cooperative thing with the um, hemp. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with that process or what they're doing. I'm familiar. Yeah, but so uh, with the cooperative, so... Farmers uh, join a co-op, and the co-op helps them kind of grow. They give them con- consultation, and then they split profits once the um, cooperative processes their mm. kind of hemp. And, like a CSA thing? Yeah, kind of like a okay. CSA. But yeah. um, So and then um, so the second part of that software is monitoring. So you, you're a hemp producer, and now you want to know where your hemp is within the process of being processed. <laughs> so we're, like, working on that software for them, and then um, – the sale side. So, how do you manage that? And 
<clears throat> you know, massive scale. I've, I've got some buddies who are in, you know, the the business of, you know, cultivating plants and things like that. But um, how do you manage that process at scale when you've got, you know, let's call it 200, 300 acres in a riverbed that you know is going to be, you know, a good yield position for your hemp product there? Um, and you're looking at this mass position of land, how do you know where almost everything's at? I mean, you, you, obviously you're never going to know where every plant's at, but I mean, you can I get can't. a good understanding, but I, I, I don't get that. I don't understand how you can encompass that. It's like, oh, well, I've got a camera up there and it's like, well, I don't know if camera's going to cut it. I mean, talk to us about like, I want to know the technical eccentricities <laughs> sure. of understanding how a hemp plant is getting to a point of... You need to harvest this shit now. I bet yeah. you do. Well, <laughs> well I, I mean, wanna, I, you know, I'd know. rather have I'd rather have a bunch of the females out there, right. and uh, we'll harvest those. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the win. <laughs> but um, I'm well, not making rope, son. No. <laughs> <laughs> I follow. But I mean, I think there's going to take a like a marrying of technology. So, um, like gonna, the planters are going to have to be modified. So that we can more closely monitor where each seed is planted, um, and then after we've planted those seeds, we're gonna have to have some type of reference points um, out there. Um, it's kind of how we're kind of designing what we're using. We have reference po- reference points. We have uh, reference points on each seed as it's planted, um, and we want to know um, we're keeping reference to the depth of that, um, the distance, the spacing of those plants, the spacing of those rows. And then we can tie that in with our drone, so we kind of already know distance, how far our plants are spaced. So we can come back and stitch those photos together as we're flying over 200, 300 acres. Interesting. <clears throat> Using machine learning for mm-hmm. some of this? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So is, I mean, you know, I've seen different articles coming out. And I read Popular Mechanics, and uh, I see conversations revolving around, like, autonomous farm vehicles and planners and swathers and all that kind of jive. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you all are specifically championing? Yes. Uh, because, I mean, how else are you going to get this data unless it's coming from an actual machine? Yep. And Well, the biggest issue for us has been just connectivity um, out on some of these farms. So um, they might have internet back at the barn, but Moving that data from the yeah. farm all the way back to the barn yeah. has been one of the biggest issues. Um, but for us, I mean, there's only certain things that we have to monitor with um, with the hemp, and even up to a certain point. So if we're looking at hemp for CBD, then we're monitoring that grow kind of up to the canopy stage, which is about you know the first 60 days. So after it canopies, then we're more so droning, just okay. flying over, looking at plant health uh, more so than kind of growth and we can still monitor you know like moisture content um and other i mean other things on the ground but we're really not we really don't care about what's going on under once it canopies because we're good that's seriously an incredibly interesting facet of what you do um Mm -hmm. from brainstem to um to now we're talking about agritech um What's going on next? What's what's next on your horizon? What kind of drone operated, you know, life saving? <laughs> Tell us what's new. Tell us what's new with you. I um, mean, as if you don't have enough going on in your life. I know, right? You know, tell me the next thing. Rocket uh, drones. Oh <laughs> man, um, 
the next <clears> thing for me is more of uh i think more of my music i'm gonna get more into okay. into my music um and um developing of like kids toys using hemp and like light manufacturing so those are the two lanes that i'm looking to develop like kids stem toys through brainstem um and a online like virtual learning platform what are some examples of what you mean by that um which are toys um so i mean some of the examples would be the lego mindstorm is mm -hmm. one of the examples so i want to redo the lego mindstorm um but add more functionality so i want to give you a robot that's also a computer um that you can do you can learn the code you can kind of do everything on instead of hey i've just got this robot that i can just do robot things with it's kind of like a, a block like the man mindstorm but you can kind of use it to you know do other things too so you can learn on it and you can learn the code you can kind of so it's one right. of those products that i want to do um just other things um kind of similar to that like getting kids into the coding just kind of making it more cool um and starting those competitions behind that like the legos competitions i mean they're cool and all and i love them like they kind of got me into the the whole idea but um like they're so expensive uh they don't have occur very often um i want to i mean i feel like robotics and like stem competition should just be like a football game sure i got a stem sure. competition every other I, I week i couldn't agree more so that's kind of the idea behind uh maker league is uh kind of what i'm where we're starting uh, next year. Maker League. Yeah, so the idea is the kids come in to brainstem or they meet with their coach and we have a theme for the month. And so this theme might be electronics. Mm -hmm. So you're going to learn so much about electronics this month and you're going to have a task that you're going to complete. So you're going to show up, we're going to lay this objective on you, and you're going to have eight hours <laughs> to kind of work out. But you're going to have a team of... That sounds so fun. Of like... Guys are, I mean, like, so eventually I want to get it to where, like, in high school, you got your computer engineer, you got your electrical, you yeah, got your you mechanical, yeah, Gosh. and mm -hmm. we're really going to show up and say, hey, now complete this task. So that would be kind of, so I love cool, that. man. I think that's great. The man. seeds that could plant is, I can't even <clears> imagine. Like, the, the IBM guy that came to your school, like, yeah, that's, that's exactly that. what you're yeah. fulfilling mm -hmm. almost. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky, man, we, we really appreciate your time today. I know we've gone way over in time. <laughs> uh, awesome. But, man, I mean, it's enlightening to have somebody with your perspective on growing the next generation of yous mm -hmm. um, in the office and on the podcast and just kind of trying to wrap our heads around it. Um, dude, thank you so much for coming in today. I, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Sharing some bourbon with you and, uh, man, figuring out where you're going next. And, man, don't be a stranger. Oh, man. No, thank you guys for having me. Like, this has been, like, awesome just to, like, um, talk to people and actually geek out. Like, well, we're kinda, nerds, Because you don't get to do that very often. Well, I don't anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in nerds my with sunglasses. We're the cool nerds. <laughs> Real quick, yeah. did you see anything at the DOD? Seam alien, alien technology, <laughs> anything crazy? Seriously, no? yeah. we're running out of time. Tell us about the fucking aliens, dude. Uh, man, I didn't see anything crazy uh, like that. Don't lie to me. Look at him, he's ladies and gentlemen. He's... If we had a camera in this place, you'd realize this guy's like, lying on they're you. See, they're in there. They're in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you again. We really appreciate you. Good luck. Best of luck in your music and everything else you've got going for you. Really Thanks appreciate much. your time. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the El Toro Podcast. Your host has been David Stadler with co-hosts Chris McConnell and Jeremy Ficklin. 
We would love to hear from you, so feel free to drop us a line and let us know your thoughts. We will see you next time.